Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Hello, this is Adam Carswell, the host of Dream Chasers, and you're tuned in to the How Do They Do It Real Estate Podcast. If you like this show, first of all, you have phenomenal taste. Second of all, if you want to listen to another next level show like this, just click our link in the description and smash that subscribe button. It would be an honor for us to enrich your mind, body, and soul as well. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack, and today our guest is Jasmine Nazari. And she is the Chief Operations Officer at Urban Green Investments, where they sponsor the best-in-class developers and operators across multiple asset types throughout the country. So I'm super excited to have her on the show today. She has a wide range of experiences and knowledge in the space. So welcome to the show, Jasmine. How are you doing? Oh, thanks so much, Eileen. I look forward to this conversation and connecting with all the listeners kind of indirectly into the future. Please. So Jasmine, can you share with our listeners a little bit more about yourself, your background, and how you got started with real estate? Sure. I started off in real estate as an assistant really to my mom and dad. They had portfolios of their own and in kind of a limited capacity help with changing disposal machines and writing leases and kind of listening to conversations at the family table. But I didn't really know that was an education in and of itself. I was kind of just, I thought it was normal. I thought everyone does it. Then I graduated from my master's program in soil biogeochemistry, which is very specific and not useless, but pretty marginally. (laughs) Utility is pretty marginal unless you go into ag. And anyway, long story short, I, my first interview was with this amazing firm named Urban Green Investments. And CEO and the chairman and the president and the CIO, CFO, and I clicked so naturally. It was beautiful. It was my first interview that I had ever done uh, for a job job. And mind you, it was for an assistant slash office manager back in 2013. So from my master's program, I graduated with (laughs) and went immediately into an assisting program assisting, not even program position, just to get my foot in the door. And that ranged from running errands to organizing the office to ordering things like very, very elementary things. And I would stay very late at night and just learn and learn and learn and read documents and read things just because I always joke that I knew what real estate meant, sorry, I knew what private meant and I knew what equity meant, but I didn't know that they meant something else completely when put together. So I was like, I'm in this whole world. Anyway, we'll talk about it more, I'm sure, but that's how I started. Oh, wow. So you've been with the company since 2013. Wow. And so you've worked your way all the way up. And so now you're the chief operations officer at the company. Yeah, I'm honored. It, It was a very like, a natural evolution where they gave me more responsibilities. They entrusted me and I asked for it, but they would, they would trust my ability to take it on. 
And there's a famous phrase I heard on Freakonomics recently, which is we rise to the level, we fail to the level of our competence, which is really funny. It's like you keep getting promoted, promoted, promoted until you can't get promoted anymore. (laughs) So I guess this is my (laughs) my level of uh, failure slash competence. So yes, I'm honored to be on this team. They're fantastic to work with, super high integrity, excellent communication, excellent with their word, with the I heard that some firms, they put a chair in the room or actually, who was it? Jeff Bezos, he puts a chair in the room. We used to when Amazon was growing just to represent empty chair, just to represent the client. I feel like we do that when it comes to our investors, we have a seat at the table for them. And that's why, yeah, I'm really proud of us for that. Oh, so can you share with us just a little bit about, about urban investment and what you yeah. guys, urban green investments and what you guys focus mm-hmm. on and a little bit more about the firm? Sure. So Urban Green started as an offshoot or a subsidiary for a family office named Cornerstone Holdings, the fantastic family, the McCleskey family and Cornerstone Holdings is the name of their firm. It's just the most exceptional family I could have ever landed upon to work with. They took me in and uh, we started off as kind of assessing investments for them in San Francisco and just managed being the sponsors ourselves. Over time, that family office would get presented with investment opportunities and they would invest in opportunities outside of San Francisco. And over time, we just kept doing better and better. And very organically, people were asking if they could invest with friends and family, as you can, as you would assume. And yeah, one thing led to another and I have grown organically since day one. Only a few times have we done fundraising online and that was very successful, but we really didn't need it. I really do think that deals are once you have a very good deal, the investors will come. So it's not hard. So as you've been working at this company here, Mm -hmm. and you mentioned that you knew what private meant, you know what equity meant. (laughs) And when those two came together, it meant something very different to you. Mm -hmm. So how did that realization come about? And what did you discover as you put those two words together to get private equity? (laughs) Yeah, I honestly was a kid and I used to drive around in the passenger seat thinking, who owns these big buildings? Because what my family owns is not these humongously huge buildings. That is what actually, so I would drive around thinking, who has the money for these? Like, this is pretty big. They're huge. And the price tags were huge. And the, the sizes were huge. The risk was huge. I was becoming aware of that. And then little did you did I know I was sitting in the place, the sort of place where that happened. So I just wanted to clarify one more thing. I didn't touch on it earlier. It's Urban Green. We basically partner up with different general partners, many of whom have appeared on this very podcast, actually, just as a testament to you, Eileen. Yeah. And they have an opportunity that either they don't have the capital exactly lined up yet, or if they're seeking an agile group, or if they want a group that doesn't really fit within the mandate of other LPs. They come to us and we are exactly there. Again, super high integrity. We have 17 different sponsors that we work with at the moment. Some we have like 25 deals with, some we have four deals with, some many we're just considering working with, but that's not one of our seven. Those aren't one of our 17. So anyway, yeah, I was sitting there and I was like, that's how these big deals come together. Oh my God, it's groups of people or stacks of capital or tranches of capital that agree to these terms and this thing called an operating agreement. And then there's this thing called a waterfall. And I just became fascinated, kind of a wannabe Excel junkie slash PowerPoint junkie and just learning all the tricks and watching all the YouTube videos I could. There's this amazing Persian girl who does that. Anyway, yeah. So that's exactly how late at night, just learning 
and wow, this is a whole world that they don't teach in schools either, if I may say. So what was the biggest surprise to you as you realize that this is how people purchase these buildings and how people are able to come together to buy these large properties, these large investments, opportunities? So how did that come together for me? I realized that's like exactly how, for me, it always starts with the modeling. So what does, what can the deal afford in terms of terms? What kind of returns can we offer investors? And then you'd share those opportunities with investors and say, hey, these are the best terms. We are investing in it at the same terms, receiving the same treatment of capital. I'm really proud of that too. Urban Green is, there's no, all capital is treated the same. Um, we call it green is green. And then that's exactly how it is. It's not too complicated. Some firms have different classes of capital, different levels of priority and this and that. Sometimes that happens, but maybe one or two times. Yeah, it's very, very rare for us. Yes. So the model that you guys operate with is this co-general partner operations Mm -hmm. where you partner with other sponsors. How does that typically look like in terms of, you know, if a sponsor comes around and like, what does that conversation look like? How does that structure typically look like for you guys? Yeah. Sorry, I wasn't too descriptive earlier. So what happens is typically if a sponsor will look up co-GP, like typically what happens is a sponsor will secure a deal. And let's say it's $10 million or $20 million of equity that they need. And they go and shop it around to different LPs and the LPs have all these mandates and they ask a bunch of questions and they're very special in their own ways. And they're not as, uh, we always say we come from a player. It starts with our CEO and my colleague said it so beautifully. He said, we come from a place of yes. So we definitely do. So we come with an open mind and an opportunity mindset. So the GPs come to us and they say, hey, we found this deal. We have 30 days of due diligence, 30 days of, yeah, 30 days, and then 30 days to close with an extension of X days, option of X days. So then we really start to put our conversation and then we say, okay, this definitely checks the returns box. Okay. Let's go to the next level, which is we go through the due diligence material, the financing, the vault, so to speak, the deal room, any kind of designs, any kind of bid, any property management bid, all those stuff, we review that. And then we decide to fly out there. And our CEO has a plane, fortunately, so we and he's a pilot, amazing pilot. So we fly out and we show face and we show our intentions and our integrity, have a good lunch together usually, fly back the same day and get back to work. And then we start putting a presentation together. We share the opportunity with our family office for their blessing. And we have a few other family office relationships as well, which we cherish. But then we really get to work and start to make sure that we have commitments before we close escrow. So then we share it with our investors. We have about 600 high net worth investors that we maintain a really longstanding and loyal relationship with. That's my joy every day. And yeah, I cherish every one of them. And then we go on to collect funds and subscription agreements and prepare for closing escrow. In that comes the process of negotiating the waterfall. It comes with negotiating fees. It comes with negotiating certain assumptions, you know, around exit caps, around the JV agreement. But again, it always comes back to what the deal can afford. And we want to make sure that it's structured in a way that everybody wins. And everyone is incentivized to do the absolute best job. And that starts with putting in capital themselves. So we often ask our GP to put some in 
or to raise capital if they want to start exercising and flexing that muscle. And then over time, we have, like I said, we have some groups we've done 25 deals with, another we've done 19 deals with. And you may think, well, why would they need you guys after a certain time they have the funds and capability themselves? But you never know what they, what you never, when something works, it works. It's easy. It's pleasant. We're really fun to, I think we're fun to work with. We're, yeah, we do what we say we're going to do and we deliver. And I'm proud of that. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. No, of course, especially in this space, it's really fantastic because we get to choose the people that we work with. Very true. And then... Like you said, it's a partnership. It's a long-term type of relationship. You're not just doing one-off yeah. transaction types of things. If something works, you know, if the relationship is good, you continue to build upon that and strengthen that relationship. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. And they can scale. To, we can scale together. It's like, and our investors love it because they get diversification across sponsor, across asset type and across location. So it's not like we just do deals, warehouse. It's not like we just do one type of deal even across the whole country. We don't do one specific sponsor across the whole country. And we don't do one one location, just a bunch of different things in a single location. It's very, very varied. And investors appreciate having a single source. And also we put a substantial amount alongside the investors and our GP does as well. So got it. And so for you, Jasmine, yeah, as you've been You've been in this space quite some time now and you've worked yeah. with several different sponsors across all different markets in the United States. And there's a lot of things that are going on, especially within the real estate industry, mm-hmm. things that are things that are happening in the, in the environment that are changing. And so for you, what are you seeing in the real estate environment, you know, going forward and how people are looking at real estate as an investment itself? Right. I know it's pretty bonkers. It's so juicy out there in the stock market <laughs> or it's so fickle, right? It's so volatile and fickle. And then I'm also big on Bitcoin and what it's going to happen. And the future of real estate, I think, is really bright, especially with not just internationally, but especially nationally. There's such a demand for housing. But we also are really proud of having different types of real estate that we invest in. We don't just do resi. We do industrial. We do data centers. We're even getting into fiber optics. My wish, God willing, is that we get to do vertical farming opportunities into the future and EV charging stations into the future. So we are diversifying in that sense because real estate doesn't always need to look like some sort of a black, it always is a black box that you get a specific rate of return out of, but it's one that you can have a really strong, better control of and better. Yeah. It's not like the stock market where you hope it does well. You can actually have a really good impact and tangible impact on it in a way that's really refreshing and empowering. It's up to you really what you put in it. And I know you're a testament to that. So I will say that back to your question about what's my opinion on it. I think this is like 
just the beginning of like renaissance and a change in real estate. Like we're seeing data become more available. We're through tools like CoStar. We're seeing investor relations become more transparent with a tool with tools like Juniper Square, which I can't speak highly enough of. See also with interest rates going up and P2E stock prices are continuing to be highly inflated and interest rates, even though they're going up, people still have all this cash that they need to place and they have been placing shoving it really in the stock market, borrowing and shoving and P2E earnings are just, or ratios, sorry, are just so suppressed and real estate doesn't have that same problem. We are seeing cap rates go down, but there's also the a lag and a, a, a huge a benefit that real estate has, which it has all these tax benefits as well. Um, it's very sticky. Um, it's prevalent. Everybody needs it. It's a healthy part of everyone's life and portfolios. So I really do think it's just the beginning. And also, sorry to go off on a tangent here, but with real estate, private equity real estate, there is going to be this new change, I think, in the way that it's super um, illiquid. I think there are companies and there really are companies out right now. One of them is called Red Swan, redswan.io. And they're really, they're turning private equity uh, real estate into $10 million and up. They're turning it into tokens such that people who want to exit can add a valuation that's market rate rather than waiting for an asset to fully turn. So I do think we're at a really big turning point where data and tech is meeting real estate where it's at, which is at a very dinosaur dinosaur <laughs> level. Best thing we had for a while was the MLS there. That's true. And so has at Urban Greens, has the investment strategy shifted at all with this environment that we're currently in and how, you know, we look to see where real estate is going? Yeah. Um, That's a great question. I think we're, anytime something gets too hot, like residential or or, sorry, multifamily, we often find ourselves like, oh, that's just, we're not comfortable. You know, so we're, we're actually exiting, um, multifamily a lot and we're entering a new era that's more tech oriented. Like I said, um, data centers and, and, um, fiber optics, and and we're going to keep doing that more EV charging, more just diversifying into the next wave because mm, the funds kind of been squeezed out of multifamily for right now, but I, we still own plenty and we're still buying plenty, just not at the same rate. Got it. So what are you most excited about right now for yourself and also within the company? Yeah. I mean, there are days where I'm like, wow, I'm learning so much. And there are days where I'm like, wow, I have just been completely administrative today. Like I (laughs) I did not push myself to learn. So I always push myself to learn new things, like whether it's new things in the law, new things with respect to real estate law. I listen to podcasts like yours. I listen to Harvard Law has a channel that, um, or yeah, the Harvard Law School has has a channel that discusses all sorts of of innovative and interesting things happening in the law with respect to like commerce or rights or all sorts of things. Anyway, we're all connected. Everything is all connected. So I, I do find myself like pushing my thoughts and what's possible out into other realms of knowledge. And I know it'll or come back, come back to real estate somehow. So how has real estate investing impacted your life? Oh, it's everything. I actually find myself like, look at the stock market with very, very skeptical eyes because 
it's a very important part of our lives, but it's so volatile and real estate provides a lot more surety. I, I don't take it for granted at all. As, I don't know if you know, I'm from the Middle East. I'm from Iran originally. And as a woman who, you know, you can own plenty of real estate there, but it's not owned the same. It's not, you don't own it the same. You cannot uh, touch it, feel it, renovate it the same. So I don't take it for granted for one second that we can get our hands dirty and call banks and renovate and flip and make assets and values grow. I love that about real estate. It's so hands-on. It's so empowering. It's every corner of our world. Um, And even from an environmental perspective, I have a girlfriend who does um, uh, because the price of commodities is going up and the price of food is actually going to be increasing in the near future. She actually, a, a lot of companies need to buy um, very low risk types of investments. So she actually sells a type of um, of agricultural, almost private equity, where you can invest into, yeah, so hmm. you can invest into the yields that farmers see. Um, super, super cool. Also from a conservatory or a conservation perspective, real estate's really everywhere and what you make of it. So um, yeah, girls and guys don't take it for granted in this in this beautiful country and in this world, really, it's, it's very important. And so what is the one thing that you wish you knew when you first started about real estate investing? I have always been really good about taking on mentors and mentees, both in getting mentorship and getting and mentoring other people. Um, but I will say that I wish I had done more sooner um, because it is a very small world and um, a small, yeah, I think that we all are very close. Um, and, and that direct interpersonal relationship is something I I'm so appreciative for my team. I love my team so much. They're, um, so empowering and supportive and just, I wish I would have gotten in action sooner to mentor other young girls and guys, because there's not an education around this. There's not enough of an education around this. There's some colleges who are starting to create funds for their real estate programs to start investing in PE, but some, yeah, it's not enough. And I think we need to get in action around mentoring young girls, especially not in marketing positions. That's very important too, but in actually technical real estate. Yeah. And it's interesting, especially now with the environment that we're in with all these the internet and the access to data, it makes it so much more easier to connect with those people yeah. and to be able to spread the message a lot quicker and touch so many more people than we would have a couple of years ago. Which is what I love your podcast. It does that. It does that like with one click, thousands and thousands of people can listen and get ideas and get connected. So please do connect with me if you want any kind of support or if you want any kind of <laughs> support or mentorship support. And where is the best place that they can go if they'd like to connect with you, Jasmine? My name's Jasmine Nazari. So my email is jasmine, J-A-S-M-I-N-E, at urbangreeninv.com. Awesome. And one last question before we jump off here, Jasmine. What is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing? It's cliche to say integrity just integrity with your own word and integrity with just most important thing. Yeah. I would just say integrity because going into an investment, it's going in fully knowing what to expect from an investment opportunity and your 
awareness of those risks and those projected projected returns. And same thing goes with integrity with respect to supporting the sponsor that you work with, with respecting the learning process that everyone is in. Yeah, I just think integrity is the thing that sets people apart from people being their word. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jasmine. I think that's really a great way to end the end the interview here and a really great important piece of it that really plays a big role in I think in all aspects of our lives, actually, not just within real estate. Yeah, it's the best. Awesome. Well, Jasmine, thank you so much again for being on the show today. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your 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 expertise and your journey with us. It was my pleasure. How fun, Eileen. I look forward to learning more from you. Thank much, you. Much more. Keep up the great work. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.